church. Amen. Right on. Go ahead and kick back. Have a seat. We'll go get this party uh, continued on strong, hopefully, for his glory. Uh, man, I say welcome to the church, man, because you are his church. So welcome to yourself. All right. Right on, man. Uh, I want to thank people joining us online. I need you to join. I need to dial in right now. Eden, get your house church ready. All right. Uh, Heber, up, you know, uh, up there in Alaska, our brother up there, get ready because we, we have a prayer that we need to pray right now. We need to engage. What is up? Praise the Lord. Been praying for that girl right there, man. Praise the Lord. All right. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we, we need to pray for, for Israel, man. All right, we need, we need to lift up Israel right now. I don't know if you heard the stuff that they're going through. It's getting crazy over there, all right? And so we just need to join with the church around the world right now in this prayer, all right? So uh, pray with us, please. Father, we just give you praise. We give you honor and we give you glory, Lord God. Uh, we just thank you so much, Lord God, for uh, your word. And Lord, you're sovereign. You're the almighty, Lord God. I mean, you, you, you're, you're sovereign and you're the king of this world, of this universe, and even beyond, Lord God, the things that we don't know. Lord, you are Lord of all, Lord God, and, uh, and we lift up Israel right now, Lord God. And Father, we pray uh, with the tree that we have been grafted into, Lord God, Lord, for your, for your sovereignty in what is taking place. We pray for the leaders of Israel, Lord God, that right now, Lord, that they are looking to you, I pray, Lord, that you remind them to look to you, to look before you because you are the great healer. You are the great I am, and there is only you. We pray, Lord God, that they recognize our Savior, your, your, your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, and that is where we need to stand. And we pray against the enemies, Lord God, that would come and try to destroy, all right? They're the people you started with right here. And so we just give you the praise, and we give you all the glory. Lord, we're with you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I, that, that's a good testimony, man, to just tell God, you know what, man, I'm, I'm with you. All right? Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. We're going to get started here. I want to read for you a passage where we're at today. We're in Luke chapter 18, verse 18 through 30. All right? Uh, I'm going to read it through. All right? If you want to turn there and knock it out. Uh, I'm going to read it through, and then, uh, man, we're just going to start blessing off. We've got a lot of scripture to cover today. Last week, I think we went through, uh, through three verses, right? <laughs> and uh, maybe we added one extra. There's a lot more going on today. All right, so um, oh, once again, Father, it's your word. So guide us, Lord God, through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 18, verse 18 through 30. Uh, we catch up with Jesus, and uh, it says, a ruler, and a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why he call me good? No one is good except God alone. He said, you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor your mother and father. And he said, all these I've kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute, and distribute to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. And then come, come and follow me. When he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. And Jesus, seeing that he become sad, said, how difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God? 
It's before it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When those heard it, they said, well, who could be saved then? Then who could be saved? And he said, well, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Amen. Amen. And Peter says, well, look at, <laughs> here goes Peter. All right, Pete, calm down. All right, he said, see, we've left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, he said, truly, I say to you, there is none who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. What is this? All, it seems like there's a lot going on right there, right? You know, and there is. And so we've got a little bit of time, right, to dial this in. And I just want to dial it in right here, man. If you really, really want the kingdom of God, if you really want the kingdom, not second, all right, not the kingdom also, not the kingdom and, but first and only, then you can have the kingdom of God. It all depends on your focus. And so my question today is, who or what is your king? Who or what is your king? Who or what is the primary source of your security and your sufficiency? Who or what has, has most of your attention all the time? In this life, who or what do, do you willingly submit to, even gladly submit before? Who or what or where do you get your identity from? You see, these are hard questions. They sound kind of easy, but they're really hard questions. Why? Because we're distracted constantly, right? Distraction is everywhere, and we're involved in, in a lot of things all the time. And many of us right here, man, we look at this, and we, have, and we realize we have responsibilities that, that we're forced to focus on just to survive. And so we have to compartmentalize, all right, every area of our life because, you know, because of that, we have multiple identities in these different compartments that demand uh, our attention, all right, giving us multiple focuses and even multiple kings. Right, we choose to overload ourselves. And because of that, the urgent seems to always be taking pri priority over the important, doesn't it? You feel like you're just running to that next thing, trying to get just running out of that last thing and running into that next thing. And then when we start thinking about the kingdom, we forget that what we're supposed to be thinking about. And the question again, well, you know what I mean? Who or what is your king? Let's check it out. Verse 18. All right. Luke 18, 18. It says, a ruler came up and asked. Him, all right? And in Mark chapter 10, verse 17, it says that, that, that the dude actually ran up and knelt before him and then asked, good teacher. He called Jesus good teacher. And see, nobody used that adjective describing any teacher or any rabbi in that particular time. Why? Because we use it all the time. No, because good in this, in this context was reserved, all right, for God because it implied sinlessness and completeness. All right, so he's a good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And there it is right there. Look at that. We, you know, it's a contradiction of terms. I mean, to, to inherit something means to receive something that you haven't been, that you haven't earned, right? That's an inheritance. I didn't earn that. I didn't go work for that. Somebody else did. And they're, they're, I'm inheriting it. All right? And he says, what must I do? 
How do I earn an inheritance? It's a contradiction. Let me ask you a question really quickly here. What are you trying to earn that God has already given you? Think about that. You see, this is the plight of 48% of people living in America today, Christian and non-Christian alike, who believe that grace is a thing that must be earned and they don't understand it. And so I'll challenge you, what are you trying to earn that God has already given you through the blood of Jesus Christ? But constantly, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know how many people I talk to. That I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I'm good enough, man. Well, guess what? You're not. <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that blood, man, for the blood of Jesus Christ, because he is worthy and his blood is sufficient. Amen. Paid in full. Bam. And Jesus challenges him. He says, why do you call me good? You know, and in Matthew, it says that this guy was a young guy. So he was a, he was a rich, young ruler, all right? Basically, you know, maybe a political ruler, maybe a religious leader, a ruler, we don't know. But he had influence in the community. And he was young. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? All right, he's probing for his motives all right, no one is good except God alone, alone. And, you know, Jesus, like, is this flattery or does this guy really believe that Jesus is God? You see, Jesus had a habit. I don't know if you look through the scriptures. He had a habit and people would question him and the first thing he would answer with would be another question. You ever notice that? People would ask Jesus a question and boom, he'd throw a question right back at them. And I think we can learn a lot from that. And I'll put this up there. This is kind of a little, you know, extra. When you question your questioner, all right, you quickly learn that intent is prior to content. And what that means is like when, when, you, when you question the one who is questioning you, you quickly learn the intent behind their questions rather than the content that they're presenting. See, there's a lot more happening in that head. There's a lot more happening in that heart than just what's coming out of that mouth. And so Jesus responds with a question. We have to remember, man, that, that, that we're not always just answering a question, but we're always answering a questioner. I think it was in Mark or Matthew, this same story. One of them said that Jesus, when he looked at this guy, he loved him. See, Jesus loved this guy. So he wasn't trying to mess them all up or screw with his head or anything like that. He really loved them and was trying to help this guy understand why he was even asking this question in the first place. I think we always need to find out what is prompting the question and ask why people are asking these questions to us. Today's modern Christian, I think, is way too ready to argue, you know, points and different ideas and theologies and stuff. Like, they're way too ready to just, like, walk away with a smoking Bible. Man, boo, shared the gospel with that person. No, you didn't. You might have gave him another reason to walk away. We're too ready to argue without trying to understand or help others understand. Uh, somebody said this one time. They said, our youth hear with their eyes. Our kids, our children, our youth, our young people, our young men and young women, they hear with their eyes and they think with their feelings. It's a real thing. So we need a message that is felt and not merely argued. We need a message that is not only heard, but is seen. Truth, all right, that loves in action. And Jesus challenged this guy right to the core because he loved him. 
And he wanted to make sure that the kid knew what he was actually talking about, what he was actually asking for. And he said to him in the next verse, you know the commandments, right? He tells him, you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor your father and mother. He says, you know those. And there's more. How many of you right now, if I asked you, what are the, what are the commandments were, can rattle them all off? Anybody? I know. All right, we're like, okay, wait, there's 10, right? No, actually there's 613. What? Where'd that come from? Right? Yeah, man, I mean, on a good day, I might be able to, to rattle off those 10, right? All right, but, but, but that's it, man, because why? I'm too overloaded with stuff. You ever have somebody come up to you, man, and say, hey, hey man, uh, so-and-so wanted me to say hi to you, and, and you're like, and you're just caught like in a freeze, man, and immediately you're like, wait, who? And they're like, yeah, so-and-so, man, they're like telling you all this. This happened to me twice yesterday. Like, hey, man, hey, man, so-and-so wanted me to say, what's up? And I'm like, okay. Um, and they're like, yeah, man. And they just tell all this. They want to say they love you, man. They miss you. And I'm like, okay, man, tell them I said, what's up? I love them too, man. I'm like, I don't even know who that was. <laughs> all right? Because we're just overloaded with stuff, man. I'm going to start messing with people this, this week. You should too. Let's go walk up to people this week randomly and say, hey, man, Larry said what is up. He misses you, wants me to give you a hug, man. You know what I mean? You should call him. I got to go. All right? <laughs> We should just do that to people this week. Just to mess with them. Right? We're just overloaded. 613 commandments. Why do you think Jesus broke it down to two? Because we didn't remember all that. But this dude said, look at him. Look at his answer. He says, he says, he says all these I have kept from my youth. I've been doing that, man. If that's all it takes, I think I'm in good shape. And this is kind of challenging when you think about it, right? Because look, this guy was kind of an anomaly to our culture. He was young. He was extremely rich, all right? He was in, he was in power. He was a ruler. He was, you know, in leadership. And yet his moral character was stellar. He says, I've been doing all this since my, my bar mitzvah. You know, the bar mitzvah, that means, you know, son of the law. When you actually, when you, at 13, man, I've been doing this since I was a kid. That's not what Jesus was looking for. He wasn't looking for that. See, the crazy thing is that we can actually make a really, really good attempt at these commandments. If we just put them on a list, check, check, how'd I do today? Check. We can put those on a list. We, we, we can actually really make a good attempt on these without even having to truly love God. Which I think is why Jesus broke it down to two when he said, when they came up, they said, well, what is the most important commandment? And he said, number one, love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God, man, with, with everything about you, with all your heart, right? With all your strength, with all your soul, with all your mind, your whole life, man, bring it to the Lord and just love him and be loved by him. And the second he, he, he shared in, in Love Your Neighbor as Yourself, all right, he even polished it up a little later on well, the night before he was crucified. And he said, you know what? Love your neighbor. Love one another the way I have loved you. How was that? Bam, bam, on the cross. Gave his life for us. He gave everything for you and I so that we can do the same thing 
so that we can give everything. He came, he lived. He could have stick around, man, and had a good life and just kicked it. People thought he was pretty popular. All right, he could have done some stuff, you know what I mean? But he came for a purpose and it was to die for your sins and my sins. And he gave his life on the cross, all right? He asked God the night before, man, you know what? If we can do something, he said, okay, never mind. We're gonna do it your way. This is what's gonna happen. Bam, and he did it. And, and it's not, it, I don't know how to say this, man, but the cross was not just something to just be admired. Wow, that is awesome. Something to be owned. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I hear that's walking around life that I live in, you know, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen? Amen. He did it so we could do it too. And this is where Jesus is challenging this guy. And he said, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and come and follow me. Keeping the law is good, but it wasn't enough. God wants your heart. He wants my heart. He wants our hearts. Jesus told me, you left out the most important thing, bro. Your heart. The most, the motivation of your heart. Give me, give me that. This is a huge request in this kid's life. He's asking for everything. Right now, you're looking at your bank account. You're thinking, that's all. No, he's saying your whole history, your whole family line, everything you're planning for your family, all this, I just, he says, it's, this is your God. This has become your idol. Remove that and put me where I belong, on the throne of your life. Let me ask you what, do you, what do you focus on as your main source of security? What do you focus right now on your, as your main source of sufficiency? Jesus says, identify that and then get it out of the way and follow Jesus, not it. You cannot serve two masters. And many of us are following more than that. And we don't even know it, man, because we don't really realize what we bow down to what we submit to, what we compromise for. You can't serve two masters. Jesus is not just looking for good behavior. We tell you this all the time. And he wasn't even saying selling your stuff is all the, is the key. That's not what he's saying. The key was to follow him to the cross. He's telling this guy, I'm on my way to the cross. Follow me to the cross. And then after the cross, follow me from the resurrection. Amen. See, just living right doesn't make you right. You gotta recognize this. I have to, I've challenged myself with this all the time. Was I a good boy today? <laughs> That's not what he's looking for. Was I his all day? Am I his all the time? See, we don't live right to be made right. Jesus made us right by his blood, which is why we get to live right. Do you understand what we just said? Right? We don't live right so that we could be made right before God. 
Jesus made us right before God by his blood on the cross, and which is why now we get to live right. We get to live right like that, man. We get to live empowered by his Holy Spirit to actually live the way that he's commanding us to live for his glory. And I know, man, we talk about this before too, man, priorities. You know, is Jesus asking us to make God the first priority of, of our life? Many of us would probably, I mean, it sounds like a fair question. It's a good question. Many of the Christian world would say, yes, I say no. Now, I've told you this before. God is not the first priority in my life. My wife is the first priority in my life. You're like, wait a second, you trade wife for God? No, God is my life. You understand? There's a difference. You're like, that's just semantics. No, it isn't semantics, all right? God is my life. If I put him on the list first, then that who makes, who's God of that list? I am. I am Lord of that list. I put him on there. I could take him off there. God is my life. It's not just semantics. Semantics, you know, the word is semantics. It's the way we use words. It makes a big difference because what you tell yourself is what you're going to believe all the way to the letter. And I can even prove it in the scriptures, all right? It is not semantics. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. God is talking to Israel through Moses. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. He says that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. And here it comes, verse 20. Loving the Lord your God and obeying his voice and holding fast to him, holding tight to him, holding on to him. Why? Because the Lord, for he is your life. Not your prior, first priority in life, not first place in your life, not number one in your life. He is your life and length of days. A short life or a long life are all equal importance to God. That you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Jesus then said this. It's crazy. He brought us around and he said this. He said, in Luke chapter, earlier, we read this last year, you know, he said to him, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Get rid of whatever is in the way between you and I. Jesus is saying, you know what? I'm watching your life, man, and we're just inundated with messaging every day. This is important. No, this is important. No, this is important. No, this is important. You know what? And probably a lot of those things are extremely important, all right? But if we put, that's why God can't be on a list of importances. God has to be your life. Consumed by God. Not a consumer of God. What does it look like to be consumed by God? He says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits himself? Or forfeits himself. I ain't go after everything you want in this world. And then we die. If that's all you're living for, well, have fun, man. You're just going to be a ball of fire all the way to the grave. But it's the wrong kind of fire. If anyone, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross on Sundays. 
Oh, on Wednesdays. Wait. Okay, every other day. <laughs> daily. Daily, man. Daily. And come after me and follow me. Let's go back to our story in Luke 18, 23. When, when, when he heard these things, when the kid heard these things, the young ruler heard these things, he became very sad. For he was extremely rich. I know this is hitting hard for a lot of us here. And when we think about extreme riches back in that day, it's nothing compared to what we have today. Uh, a couple of weekends ago, I think we had over 800 people here. And I forgot, um, there was an estimated value. We went out and praised all your vehicles. And there was an estimated value. <laughs> there was an estimated value, I think, of like $61 million in vehicles. What? I think maybe that might be wrong, but it kind of sounds right to me. All right. Uh, but an estimated value of over $210 million of, home, home, of homes being owned in, from, you know, of homes. We're a lot richer than this guy. We're a lot richer than he was. So this hits every one of us a little hard here for the same reason. Why? Because we really love what we have allowed to rule us. We really love what we have allowed to rule us. This is not, you know, you know, we really love these things. Otherwise, we wouldn't let it rule us. How many, how many times, let me ask you a question, man. This guy, remember, he ran up and knelt before God and asked him this question. How many times do, do we run and kneel before God only to walk away sad? Because he's asking way too much. I gotta preach this. I gotta preach it to myself. I have not arrived. I gotta be careful because last time I told you that I jumped off the stage and it wasn't really good. Because so, I wanna say, I'm down here with you guys, all right? Yeah, just imagine that's happening. All right? I just jumped off stage, jumped back on, just to let you know I'm with you guys on this because I'm preaching to myself. This is a message for all of us. I have not arrived. But I have to ask myself, how many times have I ran and knelt before God and walked away sad? Because, man, you're asking a little too much right now. But this is how modern-day religion has been born. Because we come to God, man, and with things, and we realize he's saying these things, and we know we're really not going to knock this out, man. So we create these little practices that make us feel better about talking to God about some of these things. And these practices are empty of our heart. They're empty of our life. They're empty of our wholeness, of everything that we have. Just so we can feel like we're close to God, but yet he is a million miles away. And deep inside, we know it, man. And I got to challenge us in this. Are we, are we really worshiping Christ as Lord when we can walk away you know, just because we're, we're not getting the answers that we want? Are we really truly worshiping Jesus as Lord when, it's, when we can just walk away? Because you know what? That's not what I wanted to hear right now. Truth be told, I know I've walked away from Christ for much less than this. I walked back, <laughs> ran back, all right, cried all the way back. All right, anyways. If we're truly, if, we, if we're worshiping 
to receive rather than to give. We're probably not really worshiping truly. And I'm just talking about your life, not about your wallet. I'm talking about your life. Because that's what he's talking about. He wanted this guy's life. But he saw that there was something in the way. And this guy was missing the point completely. You see, eternal life, man, it begins the moment we give our lives to Christ. We trust Christ as Lord. When we make him the Lord of our lives, when we say, Lord, you are king, I'm not. That's, 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 that's the moment eternal life begins for you and I. We may die in this world, but we live with him in the next. And I can prove it. Jesus said himself, John 11, 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live and everyone who does who lives and believes in me shall never die did you catch the, 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 the what he just said there whoever believes in me though he die yet he shall live and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die do you believe this and if we believe this then we need to live like we believe this right and we need to give like we believe this right I didn't get a lot of yeses on that one. <laughs> and we need to give like we believe this, right? Amen. Amen. And we need to love like we believe this, right? Amen. And we need to follow him like we believe this, right? And Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God. How difficult it is for those who ultimately find security and, and sufficiency and even their identity and wealth. For those who are held by their riches. Don't get the, the message twisted here. It's not saying rich people are just out of it. There's, there's, he's getting somewhere with this. And it is hard to hold on to Christ when you can't let go of what's holding on to you. You recognize that? It's hard to hold on to Jesus when you can't let go of what is holding you. What's holding you? What's got his grip on you? He says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle for, than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus makes a joke right here. I don't know that anybody in the crowd laughed at that moment. Maybe Jesus probably said, it's easier to go through an eye of a needle than for <laughs> Nobody got it and we got it? All right, anyways. We, too soon? Too soon? Okay. I don't know. But he did. That's just literally making a joke right there. We've tried to dumb that down with a couple of other things, you know what I mean? But, but it's literally what he's saying. And those who heard it asked the real question. This is the real question. Well, then who can be saved? Who can be saved? Because we're all falling in that boat of being held by particular things. We're all allowing things to hold us too tightly. Maybe it's, maybe it's not cash. Maybe you're allowing power that you have, maybe in your workplace or in your home, too tightly. Maybe it's holding on to you. Maybe it's, maybe it's pleasure, man. Maybe you're going after things just for just continually big pleasure hound, man, just kind of going after it, and you just can't get enough, man, and, and it's holding on to you. Maybe it's addictions, man. Maybe, you know what, I'm just being held because I'm addicted to this, these pills in this bottle, you know what I mean, this, this powder in this bag, man, you know what I mean, whatever it is, this alcohol, you know, maybe it's just an addiction, right? Or, or maybe it's pride, you know what I mean? Maybe it's pride, 
they, they, they're just holding too tight. And we're asking, well, who then can be saved? What, what if I can't let go, God? What if I just can't let go of some of these things? What am I supposed to do then, man? I'm freaking out. You're asking me to put all this stuff down before I come to you. What do I do that? And I don't think that's exactly what he's saying here, all right? Because he said, what is, look what he says next. Jesus says something that I think gives a lot of us a lot of freedom for what might be holding us. He says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Run to Jesus with your hands full, man. I did. When I came to Jesus, I was holding on to a truckload of stuff that just had a grip, man, just claws dug deep in me. And you know what? I didn't want to let it go. I didn't want to let none of it go. I wanted to want to let it go, but I didn't want to let it go. And I prayed with my hands full of junk, full of stuff that I thought was important and I thought that I had security in and I thought I had sufficiency in and I had all my attention and even my identity was wrapped up in there or came from there and I had all this stuff, right? I came to Jesus and he said, give me that life. I remember this vividly. This is almost 29 years ago now. I remember vividly having a prayer. It was just me and him. Nobody was out because the door was locked. Everything was going. Anyways, yeah, it was just right there. And I was just praying God. I was like, man, I, I don't know. He was like, he goes, give me your life. I go, you don't want all this junk. He says, give it to me. And I literally had this conversation with God. You don't want all this stuff that I'm holding on to. He said, give me it. Give me the whole life. Junk and all. And I remember, man, it was a process. I stayed there. It was like an all-day thing. I just stayed there, and I was just like, all right. Air, it's all yours, man. It's all yours. I don't know. I feel so ugly giving you this. And anything that, gets in the, that, 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 that solicits our worship before we are ready to give it to God, all right, is ugly before God. I don't care what it is. This between you and God, it's not... It's not, it's not I gave it to God and he took my life and then he started giving me life that I never dreamed I can live. I never dreamed I can live. I just never dreamed it, man. And the miracle of God is that the blood of Jesus Christ sets us free from all things if we let him. What was impossible, salvation in God, was made possible by God through Jesus Christ. And Peter said, see, we left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, you know, Peter's like, look at us, man. (laughs) We're your favorites. (laughs) We did it. I don't know what's wrong with him. (laughs) We left everything, we left a home and follow you. And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, there's no one who has left house or wife, brothers, parents, children for the sake of the kingdom who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come. Now he's not saying you're gonna see, receive multiple wives. All right, multiple homes. But, but, but the family of God is bigger than you can imagine. When he talks about right here, right now, and in the age to come, right here, right now, the family of God, look at, look at us. I've seen so much love and care come from this family than I've ever seen come from a crowd of people in my life. 
I listen to the stories of how you guys take care of each other. And some of you are like, I haven't held that yet. Well, you know what? It's coming, man. Just get, let us know where you're at. Because there was a family right here, man, that is all about this. And in the life to come, that's you're just going to have to wait and see. So now we just get close and we stay close. Amen. You hear me say that all the time, and that's because I mean it. So what do we do with this this week? What do we do about this this week? This is a big deal. This is a lot. All right? What's an easy next step? Well, it's not that easy. All right? I want you to ask yourself a question. And I want you to ask this question throughout the day. And I'm not going to tell you, set your timer for every hour and ask this question. We do that. It's pretty fun. I love doing stuff like that. It gives us some practicality. But I will tell you, you know, in the morning, around lunchtime, in the evening, ask this question right here. What is in between me and Jesus right now? If you can ask that question three times a day throughout this week, Ask this question three times. What is between me and Jesus right now? Tomorrow morning when you wake up, ask that question. It'll probably be easier to answer when you just wake up. But while you get around to lunchtime, what is, what is between me and Jesus right now? Answer that. What is, and then when you get around to, to dinner time, ask the question, what is between me and Jesus right now? And I'll add this little bit to help you. What prevents you from following him at work? What prevents you from following him at home? What prevents you from following him at school? What prevents you from following him at the store? What prevents you from following him when you're out playing, all right, and having a good time recreation? What prevents you from following him when you're all alone? What is in between me and Jesus right now? the question. Remind yourself throughout this week to ask that question. And then give him that obstacle and worship him right there. It's a silent prayer for him. Give him that obstacle, whatever it is. And you're like, what does that look like, man? It's a simple just commitment from your heart. Lord, I've, a confession, I've put this in front of you. Oh, let me remove it. It's yours. It's yours. For your glory. Because I'll challenge you once again with the question, man. Who, who's your king? Really. I think this will help. I won't be here to pray with you if you need to pray. Come pray with us because we love you. Praise the Lord.